the Cardinals keep the third pick of tonight's uh, first round. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. And for an NFL draft preview, we're now joined the sports on by NFL uh, media lead draft analyst and writer uh, Eric Edholm. And Eric, always good to have you on the show. Let's start with Bryce Young. He's expected to be the first pick tonight by the Panthers. Why do you think the Panthers decided on Young? And do you agree with their with their you know, their preference? I think he's the best quarterback in the draft, but I think the the longevity questions at his weight are, are legitimate, and that's that's what I fear is that he'll be a good quarterback who may not have a, a, a remarkably long career or could be marred by injuries. But you know, he's a special distributor. He's got lightning quick reflexes and instincts as a passer. Uh, pretty good escapability. I wouldn't call him a scrambler per se, but you know he's sort of like Joe Burrow in that regard, where he can you know, maximize his physical abilities um, and oftentimes make smart, heady decisions on the fly that benefits his team. He covered up a lot of mistakes for Alabama last year. I mean, they, they, this was not a typical Alabama juggernaut offense last year, and I think he really kind of masked a lot of the, the latent weaknesses that, that they actually had, so he engineered Gibbs. So hey, he's, he's the kind of guy who I think can bring everything together and Look, Carolina doesn't have the kind of playmakers right now, having traded D.J. Moore and traded uh, Christian McCaffrey in the last year, uh, that his maybe his stats aren't eye-popping in year one, but I think the intangibles are a strong reason why, despite the, you know, the lack of math that, that typical quarterbacks have in this league. The Texans apparently are not going to select a quarterback at number two. Are you surprised? And how much of that is because D'Amico Ryan's a defensive player and obviously a defensive coach, uh, at least oriented coach. He's now the head coach. Yeah, we don't know what they're going to do. I, at least I haven't seen it definitively reported yet of, of what the plans are. And, and, you know, there is a way where they can trade up to three. They have the number 12 pick. They have 33. They have another second rounder. I mean, they have plenty of ammunition to move up and get a QB if they want. You know, Indianapolis division uh, uh, rivals sitting two picks below at, at number four. There is that Arizona spot in between. They could theoretically move back up to that spot as well if Arizona is willing to come down. One way they could depress the value is by taking a quarterback. I mean, really, it's, you know, if they sat there at two and took Will Levis and C.J. Stroud, the value of the number three pick goes down. There might be fewer bidders. I don't know if this is going to happen, but it's a scenario that – you know, I, I, I talked with, with somebody else to the different team in the league, and they said, look, that would be a smart thing to do if you're Houston. But if they do go pass rusher first, do they still try to make that trade up? Are they comfortable at 12? Is there some other quarterback like Hennon Hooker farther down the line that they like? Is Trey Lance a trade possibility? Mac Jones? I don't know. I mean, these are, you know, th- there's a bunch of wild possibilities out there that we can't dismiss, but... Yeah, what what happens at two and three? I think is gonna gonna set the foundation for the first you know dozen or so picks in the draft. Their teams picking right below them don't seem to have a clear idea what the Houston Texans are gonna do because I've reached out to you know the teams picking four, five, six, seven, eight that range, and they're all kind of waited with waiting with bated breath to find out what you know are they gonna enact Plan A, Plan B, or Plan C tonight? They don't really know at this point. So you have the Cardinals, you know, who are number three right now, trading the third selection to the Raiders for the seventh pick. Obviously, they get more in just the seventh pick. How much more should they expect if they trade down to, say, the seventh pick? 
Yeah, I mean, I, obviously, I, I'm taking a little bit of a shot in the dark here, and it's, it's hard to really know how it's going to all play out. But, you know, obviously, you, you, you talk to your sources, you talk to your betting markets, this is the possibility. You know, you look you look at kind of the landscape. I think it is maybe more likely that, that Vegas sits at seven now after kind of checking with some people. But if they did, I mean, you know, th- there have been some recent comps that have been pretty good. I mean, if you look at the, the Jets-Colts trade from five years ago and Sam Donald was the target. Now, that trade occurred, oh, at least six weeks before the draft, I want to say. I mean, it was in March. I don't remember exactly when, but um, – it, you know, it was a good bit ahead of the draft, and I think they got three second rounders in return, if I recall. Um, you know, that Braden Smith and, and Shaq Leonard and those guys were all part of that cold draft class. But is that going to be the price on the clock tonight? I don't know. Um, you could probably accept less than that if you don't feel like there's a player worth taking a three. I've heard Paris Johnson is somebody Arizona could like. You know, certainly a defensive player like a corner or maybe Nolan Smith. I mean, heard lots of possibilities. Players that could be available lower than three, so or theoretically anyway. So I don't know what direction they're going to go or if their trade is available. But, you know, I would think some, some day two capital is, would definitely be coming their way. Yeah, with, with the seventh selection after your, your trade with the Raiders, you have them selecting a corner. Uh, your Oregon corner, Christian Gonzalez. What do you like about Gonzalez? I've been begging for the Cardinals to take a corner in the draft for like I don't know, seemed like a half decade. So, yeah. you know, what do we like? What do we like about him? Yeah, I remember the last two drafts. You asking me, hey, what, what's the story at this position? Who can we get? And you know, we're we're still there. It seems like, but yeah, Gonzalez started at Colorado, ended up at Oregon, and. I didn't think he actually played all that great early in the year, but I would say by the end of the season, he was playing at a very high level. Some of it had to be adjusting to the new system a little bit. And, um, but the length, the athleticism, the instincts, just how fluidly he moves as an athlete. I mean, you know, that size of a corner, being able to kind of flip his hips and run the way he does, find the ball in the air. He showed a little more playmaking ability uh, in, the, in the latter half of last season. I, I I saw that why teams were so infatuated with him. It took me a little bit to warm up to him, but once once we got to that point, especially in a draft that isn't loaded at the top, you know, it made sense that he would be considered one of the top 10, 12, 11 prospects, depending on who you pulled. So I think he would be – he's had enough experience three years of starting. I think that he would be able to step in right away as, and, and handle – not only speed, but also uh, receivers who can play in the air and some with a little more length. Talking NFL draft with uh, Eric Gadholm of NFL Media. All right. Uh, by the way, check out uh, Eric's NFL. Go to NFL.com and check out his uh, mock draft. Yeah, I got some random stuff I just want to cover with you. you know, I mean random stuff. I'm just kind of, you know, throwing stuff against the wall to some extent here. But let's start with the quarterbacks. I think that's less than random. Uh, you know, the Cardinals, uh, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, that the, you know, actually the Raiders trade up and take C.J. Stroud at number three. Why is Stroud falling? Is it the testing situation? Why Stroud and maybe not Levis or Richardson? I don't know that he's falling. I, I don't I think a lot of this is, is a media-driven narrative, and I don't mean that I'm not blaming my industry. I'm just saying this is what, what happens that we – you know, people, there's a lot of groups together. We put mock drafts together. I'm part of that, you know, and, and we, I had mocked, you know, Stroud to, to the Texans. I mean, he still could go too tonight. I, I'm not ruling that out. I I don't know. It's funny because 
I've gotten such a range of opinions on what's actually going to happen. Is it tonight's going to have some some fascinating drama? But you know, if he were to go fifth instead of second, I don't think you could reasonably argue that oh, his stock is crashed. But I'm guessing that the that ST test, which is still relatively new, it's a cognition test, the test you know measures how quickly athletes are responding to, to new information and. Uh, how quickly to down to the millisecond they can they can react to these things is it perfect? No, but I think it might be a better measure than you know other psychological tests or the Wonder Lake or other things like that. But for him to score as, as reportedly as poorly as he did, so out of range of the other quarterbacks, it had to raise some red flags. It had to force teams to go back to the tape when they got the results and say, what are we missing here? What you know can we? Can we pinpoint how this is applicable to him as a prospect? Um, and then that's going to determine, you know, whether they feel comfortable with, with him or not. So he defended, you know, he said, look, I'm not a test taker. I was there. I asked him the question yesterday. And, uh, you know, he'll be a fascinating test for this S2, which has really only been used around the league for maybe six, seven years. And I would say has grown in popularity, but it's still not considered this, you know, gold standard flawless test is just another measurement you know that we used along the way in the draft process so hard to know what, what the ultimate result will be but i don't think he's going to crash and have some some awful free fall or anything like that b john robinson he went to high school in tucson seems yeah. to be a high high character human being uh and he certainly does more than just run the football what do you think of him and how much is the the fact that he's a running back uh, knock him down some here. Well, first of all, you're really right about the character. He got some excellent character grades from, from teams. They loved his, his personality. I mean, he's always got a smile on his face. He's just one of those kids that just has an aura around him, I think, when he walks around. I saw him yesterday volunteering. It was just like, man, I love this kid. <laughs> he's a terrific, right. terrific prospect. He really is. I mean, I'm going to give you a big name, but he reminds me of LaDainian Tomlinson. And you know, he's going to be a better receiver in college than he was at Texas. They they didn't throw the ball to him a ton, but he's got exceptional hands for that position. He's going to be a real natural. And in this era, even as the run game cycling back in, this is almost the perfect back. And this might be the perfect draft for him, too, because this is not a year where we have, you know, Aiden Hutchinson's and Kyle Pitts's and, and Jamar Chase's and, and just, you know, all these sort of, blue chip, you know, high-end prospects with a thrilling potential at premium positions. So I think Bijan coming out now, this is a great spot and a great test to see the true running back of that, I mean, the true value of that running back position. So I think it starts at eight with it for him at Atlanta and goes to maybe Tampa Bay's pick, you know, 18, 19 or something like that. So I think that's his range. And there, there are probably multiple teams in that range that would consider him maybe even a trade-up, but, you know, it would take a team that I think is pretty close to contending to, to feel that comfort level. So, yeah, I get it, the, the running back value question. But I, it's not apples to oranges. So not every draft class is the same. I, I think you have to look at it in a bubble and say, he might be the safest prospect in this draft when it's all said and done. And they, every top prospect has at least one notable flaw that holds you back just a little bit, right? Jalen Carter character, Bryce Young size, whatever you want to say. I mean, C.J. Stroud, the test, you know, whatever. 
everyone's got at least one flaw, and here's Dijon that I don't think has a major flaw in his in his portfolio. You just mentioned Jalen Carter is going to ask about him next. How difficult is the off the field stuff made it difficult? Not necessarily to evaluate him, but uh, you know, just try to figure out where he might fall here. Yeah, and it wasn't just his involvement in the the January fifteenth crash. You know that, that caused the death of Devin, Devin Willick and uh, recruiting staffer there at Georgia. And you know he wasn't obviously uh, blamed for their death, but he was there and, and possibly part of it. There was some obviously deception maybe involved with the police. Uh, there are other things from the past that people have kind of looked at. Some have come out, some haven't. I would say a lot of them are in the concerning level, especially when you add up multiple incidents to say, you know, what do we have here? Is this an immature kid or somebody who, you know, that we have to be really concerned about here? And I think it trends towards the, the former a little bit more. I think a lot of people feel like he does need to grow up, but so do a lot of 21-year-olds, you know. And yeah. if you have a strong locker room and you feel good about your, your coach uh, and your coaching staff, and just the environment you have there, his talent is terrific. I mean, that's that's the best way to say it. He could he could be a destructive three technique, like a you know a Quentin Williams or some of the best, uh, you know, a Chris Jones, something like that. So he's a, he's a special player when he wants to be, and it's just a matter of knowing, you know, what your infrastructure is and whether you can handle it. I still think he's going to end up being one of the first seven or eight picks off the board, a little maybe a little higher than I had him going at number nine to Chicago. This year's first round, with all the new head coaches and front offices around the league, has it been more difficult uh, for you to try to you know, project what might happen tonight? Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I hadn't really considered that that fact, but I think there's probably some element of truth to that where, you know, a lot of new people, they're all kind of getting to know each other on the fly and building staff and things like that, building rapport trying to figure out who has last call and, and, you know, how much influence everybody should have on the draft. So, yeah, there, there's probably some of that, that that went on that I didn't really, uh, you know, think about prior to this, this offseason. So I also think just the, the uncertainty of the quarterback and the mixed bag at the top of this draft has caused a lot of confusion. Uh, we have several teams with multiple first-round picks, so there's also that, that – that aspect that can kind of throw a wrench in everybody's plans a little bit and sort of trade ups or say put use the ammo, move down, what have you. I just it's just one of the more unpredictable drafts in recent memory and which is exciting. You know, I don't care about my mock draft score. Like if I do well, great. If I don't, who cares? You know? I, I get to watch it play out tonight and everybody else does and we're gonna have some drama at some point. I just I would be shocked if this was a boring you know, uneventful first round. I think there'll be some surprises. So it's, it's kind of added a little bit of sparkle to a, to an otherwise, let's say lackluster, but just a, it's not a special draft class at the very top, I don't think. Okay, along those lines, last up, uh, what positions do you think are deepest in quality depth and what positions are lacking some? I'd say the deepest are probably corner, tight end, uh, rare depth at that position, rare depth at corner. We don't usually see as many there. Edge rusher is pretty darn good. I think, you know, other people may disagree, but that would probably be my number three position. And then on the bottom end, I would say in some order, it may end up being mostly on defense. Linebacker, off-the-ball linebacker, safety, defensive tackle. You could argue offensive line, like the interior especially. I would say guards and, and 
you know, that's why you might see Joe Tippman from Wisconsin be a first-round pick tonight. Because the, the interior group is really only about four or five centers, and there's maybe seven or eight guards that I think have, you know, normal kind of grades that you would expect there to be a kind of a bigger pool this year. So those are the spots that are a little weaker, I think. Eric, always a pleasure talking to you. I know you're in hot demand, especially today, so thanks for making time. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you. Have a great day. Enjoy the draft. You too. Eric Adholm, NFL media lead draft writer, and uh, we've had Eric on for years, a variety of things, whether it be the draft or the NFL in general, but definitely a guy I wanted to get on today, and I appreciate him, as I mentioned, making time for us.